Welcome everyone to the Healing Place Podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock. Excited to have you here with us, listening in, and also excited to have another wonderful guest. I will be doing some introductions in just a moment, but just wanted to welcome you here first to this space filled with motivation and inspiration and healing stories. All right, welcome everybody. Today I am super excited to have with me Jesse Graham, and Jesse is a um, has a website um, co-creating change. It's jessiegrahamcoach.com. So welcome, Jesse. Hi, Terry. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you here. Yay. Me as well. <laughs> All right. So yeah, talk to us about what it is you do. Well. Um... I have been a speech pathologist for about 25 years um, and recently decided to go into coaching. Um, A lot of this was following my own personal growth journey where I became more self-aware of how my life was unfolding and how it impacted the work that I was doing with children and families. So um, I... I'm excited to be now working in a school in California, but I've worked in schools in Maine and Vermont most of my career. Um, And I see this opportunity to work with teachers, families, and the students to increase self-awareness so we can make the changes we want to make in the world. Um, It's, it's, an interesting place to be. Um, not everyone is comfortable with that idea, but we all also are having these things happen in our lives that kind of are waking us up to that idea. So, you know, for example, the last week we had fires in California right. and scary. people are really scared. I, for one, was really scared. I still am. You you really feel it jar your nervous system. And if I hadn't been on this journey, I would just go into fight or flight. But now I'm realizing that there's a little bit of space between fight or flight and um, my ability to respond to what's happening. And hopefully that will be helpful when I go back to school next week, tomorrow right. and, and talk with teachers and, and students about how they're doing. Right. Well, so, I, I noticed on, on your site when I read and when I read through your answers, you know, to the podcast questions, um, you know, mindfulness being part of, of what you've utilized. I've certainly used that on in my healing journey. Um, and what a powerful thing we can teach kids. Absolutely. And I, I've been practicing for probably more than 10 years now, but I had the opportunity to bring it to some of the staff that I work with in the last few weeks. It's been the first time that people have really actually asked for it when I've offered it. You know, they they said, oh, can we have some more? Right. (laughs) So I'm like, absolutely. So just having that opportunity to me is a huge healing. Yes. For the universe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what a blessing for your students and staff to, you know, have you there. 
um, during this time, it's, and it is scary. I think I responded back, back to an email and said, oh my goodness, I'd be a nervous rack if, um, yeah. yeah. But trying to trying to put my mindfulness and all of that into place, yes. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know this was not part of the plan. <laughs> right. I came out to California to get away from the cold in in Maine in the winter. Right. <laughs> and uh, I got some heat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the kind of heat that really makes you realize. Um, why you're here and, and what you can and cannot do and what you, you know, what your aspirations are. So I'm grateful for that opportunity, um, to wake up yet again. Right. <laughs> right. So you, you have, you are a speech language pathologist by trade, correct? Yes. Okay. All right. And you had put on here understanding trauma informed care. So that's a big part of I've talked a lot. That's a big part of my work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to just speak about that for a minute because what I've learned in my own work has transformed the way I look at my professional work as a speech pathologist. Um, I no longer choose to diagnose and treat children and now looking at how can I better understand their story and support them in their healing. It's a very different approach to the work and it's not the way our public schools are set up. So it provides me with an opportunity to kind of explore how that change can happen with the schools and the staff and the policy um, all at the same time by right. just staying present to to my belief about children's development. Wow, and that, that just popped into my head as you said that, you know, that, that question, which I know I've talked about before on air, is instead of asking, you know, what is wrong with you, which is the diagnosis mm -hmm. part of it, Instead, what has happened to you, which is one of the things you talked about, is that, um, you know, looking at, is this child tired? You know, is this child hungry? Is this child living in a stress environment um, that they're then bringing into school with them um, as part of their, I don't want to say baggage, but as part of, of who yeah. they are and what they're, what they're having to, to deal with and cope with. Right. And I, I like to look at the whole story because I've worked in early intervention um, from birth to three and three to five and then kindergarten through 12th grade. Yeah. And that accumulation of experience can be both positive and negative. And in our in our school systems, what when kids aren't able to do what we think they should be able to do, we think there's something wrong with them. But in fact, they've been struggling probably all along right. with with some issues that haven't been addressed. So getting underneath and really understanding doesn't mean we can change the past, but we can really understand how it impacts brain development and capacity to learn and then we can move forward in a way that's more informed right absolutely and like you said understanding 
and if you can, we can get them to talk about it, and, and as we all start to become more, um, I don't know, in tune, like in trauma informed, yeah. trauma sensitive, <laughs> trauma sensitive. I love that concept um, of being um, not only aware, you know, and in tune with with what's going on um, that's beneath the surface. Um, but being sensitive to it and understanding what we can do to help them. So, yeah, yeah, very cool. And I, I think the word that comes up for me, you know, trauma-informed, trauma, ACEs, all of the language has been really, I think it scares people. And we want to create a safe environment for people to share. So the new word that comes up for me is compassion. Yeah. And and that's what we're really looking for, right? We're looking to, to open up our, our ability to be compassionate. And so, but again, all of these words bring up different meanings for different people. That's so true. And that's a great point because, yeah, trauma, trauma, how many people think trauma is, you know, something horrific, like a, like a car accident or something, you know, right. um, but, but it's, you know, as ACEs, you know, the adverse childhood experience is coming, you know, into light, that it's neglect, that it's, um, you know, trauma is so much more than, than just the, the big things that go on, war and so forth, so. Yeah, and, you know, things that, like the fires, like sure. that's unique to some environments. It's not... It's not something people in Maine are thinking about. We're going to have wildfires, you right, know. Right. So to me, that that idea that there's so many different ways trauma presents itself, and it has different impacts at different levels. You know, just the news about it can trigger the nervous system. Sure. <laughs> sure. So yeah. it's not. It's not even just the things that happen to individuals, it's the collective trauma that's happening right now. Right. I saw a picture on Facebook and it was just, I mean, it was, it triggered me and I've never been in a fire. I've never been, but I just looking at this picture and people trying to escape and the traffic backed up and I thought, goodness gracious. Yeah. Scary. I can share a quick experience that happened for me yesterday that kind of brought the whole circle around. I, I'm living in um, a small community outside of um, Ventura, Ventura, we'll just say. And a person that I know from, from their childhood who, worked at, who lived in the community where I first worked in Vermont, a small, small community, 100 kids, um, is, a, is a famous musician right now. And she posted that her house in Malibu was probably going to burn. Wow. And I'm walking down the street in my community and I see a car from Vermont yesterday. And I thought, what, what is a car from Vermont doing in California? Well, I'm pretty sure it might have been her because she was escaping the fire and had posted that she was in the same community that I was in. Oh, my goodness. So here I am thinking about, you know, all these people, my colleagues are, are impacted by this. Um, and as far as Vermont coming back to California and 
somebody I know, you know, it's like we're all impacted. Yes. Right. Absolutely. We can't avoid it. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. just opening up and, you know, what could I do to support her? And, you know, I invited her to a singing group that we were part of last night that I thought maybe that would help. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, just compassion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so who, if, who's your target audience? If you could meet, just reach as many people in the world as possible with your message, who would it be? Wow. Well, that's a, that's a big one. Um, <laughs> I like to think that, you know, when I developed my coaching practice, I like to think that I can impact anybody who wants to change. Right. Right. So right. I love to work with individuals that say, you know what, I know you can help me. I also want to help in the education field. I really feel like teachers need support. Um, they, they don't need to work in isolation. They can have partnerships with somebody that really wants to support them, not the system. So I'd like to see coaching become more a part of the education system um, at both the the instructional level and the administrative level yes. so that we can really contemplate what it is we're trying to do and how we want to do it. So it's really authentic and not coming from, you know, a big space. It's coming from individuals really genuinely. And um, there's a lot of people that don't feel empowered right now and that feel like they have to do things because somebody's telling them to. And I really believe that that, that doesn't work. No, I agree. <laughs> I find that for myself. <laughs> I, uh, how many teachers that I know, when I worked in uh, at a mental health agency and I was in the school system um, helping kiddos in the school and how many teachers reached out to me looking for guidance, looking for help. How do I help these kids? What do I do? And they're looking, they're looking for that and they need that um, support. And they need the time to have that conversation and self-reflect on what they really believe is possible. Right. Um, the system is set up to pass things along, um, special education especially. It's, you know, if the child's not doing something you think they should be doing, we refer them for some special help. And I believe that through the connection with the teacher, most most of the issues can be resolved um very rare that there's something they can't do right um, and it shouldn't be something else they need to do it should be something they're already doing and they might just need to tweak it a little bit okay one of the things that you had written back to me was you know that you often hear people say he comes from a loving home or his parents you know love him talk about that a little bit uh that is one of my um, hot topics. Um, I will often try to approach people and let them know that something's probably going on at home or in their child's early development that, you know, there may be some attachment issues, there, there's probably some stress in the family, and that it started at, at an early age. And that that might be part of the reason that the child's having a hard time. And people will immediately say, well, but he comes from a loving home. And I, I just 
see this as an opportunity for people to, to explore what is a loving home. And I came from a loving home. So I, I have no doubt that my parents love me. <laughs> but what is love? You know, love is love is something that you can accept from other people. But you also have to love yourself. And a lot of children come from homes where parents are struggling with self love. Yes. So, so, and what does that mean? And what does that look like? And if you, if you struggle with self-love, you don't, you don't know that until you realize that. <laughs> right. So, so, you know, often that just that whole concept is, is a great opportunity to explore, you know, what changes are needed for the children. What, what are the things that are going to have the most impact? What is going to support parents? You know, I, I have, I have so many examples of parents who aren't aware that they live in a toxic, toxically stressful situation most of their lives. Right. Well, I grew up knowing my parents loved me and supported me, but my mom was an alcoholic and only stopped drinking just this year at 82 years old. Um, and that was a struggle my entire life. You know, my dad hit me until I was 10 because it was very violent um, until he got therapy and got help and realized that that approach, but he was parenting the way he had been parented. Um, and so, yeah, but I, but again, I knew my parents loved me. Right. Love is, un love is unconditional <laughs> right. in that sense as well. It's not, it's not about love. It's about um, understanding oneself right, and self-awareness. Yeah. It's really all it's about. And, and that's not all. It's a big thing. It's a big thing to understand that. It brings up a lot of emotion. Um, but it is the catalyst for the change that we need. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Which then leads me to co, you know, your, your philosophy of co-creating change in the world. What do you, what do you mean by co-creating change? Um, well, that came about as a deep dive into, you know, who am I and what do I want to do? Yeah. <laughs> so I developed this practice. It's like, okay, how can I say this as clearly as possible? So co-creating change came about because I believe that change happens in relationship. It's not something you do by yourself. I created a lot of my own change in therapy with friends, talking to people. Um, exploring things, going to workshops. It's not like it doesn't happen in isolation. So I really wanted people to see that if there's something you want to change in your life, you can do it with me. We can co-create it. And it's a process. It's a creative process. It's not like there's an easy answer. It's not like you can just, uh, I can't tell you what to do. Right. But we can create the change that you want to see in the world. And, you know, Gandhi's quote for me is so powerful. Be the change you want to see in the world. So how do you do that? Oh, that's so cool. I'm such <laughs> a... said than done. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of synchronicity and when, when things align and things, you know, and how interesting, you know, when I saw that quote on your website, because... My daughter, who's 12 um, and in seventh grade, she's um, 
had to memorize a speech for school, and so she's been practicing, and you know, she she had a, must have done it for me five times last night, and her speech is Gandhi's, one of Gandhi's speeches. <laughs> and so, yeah, so there she was, you know, saying this speech over and over in his words to me, and it was just very powerful to hear what he had to say um, during this one particular speech. And um, so, yeah, so I loved seeing you know, that quote on your website today. Yeah. Yeah. I totally believe it's possible. And, you know, whenever there's adversity, I really fall back on that. Yeah. I through the fire. What do I need to do? How do I need to change? What do I need to do to show up today? Right. Right. That's beautiful. And I love, I love that idea. I love, I love the visual of that, of co-creating change. Um, Thank you. Yeah, that we aren't an island, you know, that we, we, it's, it's great to have a hand to hold. Um, yeah, coaching is a partnership. It's yeah. not, you know, again, the word coaching, some people go, oh, gosh, I don't need a coach. I don't need a therapist. I don't need a, you know, it's not, it's, that's why I tried to take that word off of my website. Yeah. And, and just focus on the, on the goal. The goal is to co-create change, whatever it is. Right. And, and you know, if, if that's what you want to do, I'm the person for you. If you don't want to do that, I'm not the person for you. Right. Right. Very cool. Any myths or facts that you would like to clarify for listeners? Mm, I have a few. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, I love a challenge. So let's talk about them. All right. Um, this one comes up a lot, and uh, especially in schools, um, and sometimes from parents. Um, the children are lazy or not motivated, and I don't believe that's true. Yeah. I believe that that they are often tired, and sometimes they're confused, or maybe they're having a challenge in their capacity to be present and available to do the things that we want them to do. Is compromised right. right and a lot of that happens in schools when kids are asked to learn a certain way and it doesn't match up with their brain yeah it's dynamic right <laughs> so we've got to really be careful when we say that we there we go again we have to be the change yes we have to change what we're doing we can't change other people that was a huge life lesson for me it's still something that I have to work on, but I, it's made my life a lot easier when I realize, oh, I have to change. Students, you know, come into my room and they're, they're like wiggly and I have assistants that work with them and I look at them and they go, oh, I don't know what to do. And I go, okay, let's think about what can we do differently? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's as easy as saying, are you feeling hungry right now? How are you, you know, are you hungry? And I had that happen the other day. Yes. Let's go get some food. Right. Eggs came back ready to work. Right. Right. Not a problem. And, you know, we don't give ourselves permission to explore that notion of lazy or motivated. Um, I'm super sensitive to the language people use to talk about kids right now. And part of that is, you know, my coaching part of it is being a speech language pathologist. And now I'm like, okay, let's explore every, everything that we say, if it's negative, 
it's got to be explored. There's no, there's a reason. Yes. Well, and I think another big part of it too is teaching kids as well. As you were talking, it, it popped into my head, you know, teaching kids to learn about themselves to know, you know, oh, I'm, I'm a more visual, I need some visual aids, or I'm, you know, I need maybe some audio stuff, I need, you know, and, and helping kids to get to know themselves. I know we've done that again, you know, I use Madison, our daughter, as, as an example, but, you know, when she's, when she's really beating her head up against the wall with something, with a concept, maybe math, and I'll mm -hmm. say to her, you know, you really seem to grasp this when you, when, when I give you some visuals, so let's try this, and we'll, we'll, we'll right. draw it out in, you know, in a pie or whatever, if she's doing some fraction work. And then she's like, oh, yeah. I get it. <laughs> you know? And so again, I use the word visual with her so that she starts to understand her and how she absorbs things. So, right. you know, yeah, helping kids get it. Well, that's cool. So that, that's one myth um, that, you know, children are not lazy. I believe everybody is motivated yes. to do things that motivate them, not necessarily what we want them to do. Right. So we have to really get on the same page, too. That's the other part of that is to, you know, join people where they're at. The other myth um, that I want to explore, and I'd love your feedback, too, Terry, is change is hard. Yes. And... Uh, I just, I have come to the conclusion that it doesn't have to be so hard. <laughs> and I like to say it could be uncomfortable, but out of that discomfort is a good, a good outcome usually, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that that in itself can be a catalyst right now in our world to say, out of all these things that are happening, good things are coming. Oh. You know, there was there was just another parallel. There was a fire here in the community I am last year, around this time, and I went to a um, a part of the canyon that's beautiful and it's starting to regrow. And you know the person who's managing it said, you know, for whatever reason this needed to happen, and we're having all this regrowth and new beginnings, and it's beautiful. And could we see that at the time? No. Right. But it's so true, right? Yes. Out of that hard challenge came new growth. Yes. Um, new beginnings. We have to clear out the old to get to the new. So, yeah. yeah. I would rather us explore that and, and together in a co-creating change environment than have it be brought on <laughs> by a fire or, you know, somebody getting laid off at their job. Right. But, you know, we don't always have control over that. Well, so. I think a lot of times, you know, I always say that there's a gift to be found in the um, in the hardships. There's I always try to find the gift at the time while it's going on. It's hard to see the gift. Right. But afterwards, you can certainly look and, you know, and, and habit formation was what popped into my head and how when you mm -hmm. talked about change is hard. Um, you know, I read a lot of the books that talked about habit change and, um, yeah, and as I learned to create new habits, how much easier then that change became. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and that's, you know, again, we can make those changes. We can explore our limiting beliefs so that we get used to the discomfort 
and we can make the change sooner. Right. So that, which goes along with the other myth that I have, which is change takes a long time. I I think change can happen immediately. Yeah. I think if if you're willing to be vulnerable and you're willing to talk about things and you're willing to explore possibilities, you're changing. (laughs) You're creating change and you are changing. Yes. So that can happen right now. And I love, love, love what you just said about if you're willing to be vulnerable. How many times I've said that to people that you have to be willing, yes, to be vulnerable. And that's that's one of the scariest parts about it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I think once you have that experience, for me anyway, it's been, I crave it. I'm yeah. a challenger. Yeah. I love to explore possibilities. <laughs> Sky's the limit. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm comfortable with that, but I love it. No, I think it's fantastic. Like right now, and it's it's crazy stuff. But like teaching myself, you know, how to do WordPress and, and insert blogs, yeah. and I mean all that kind of stuff. You know, it's all about growth and change, and yeah. Yeah, the mind needs exercise. <laughs> Absolutely, and you're never too old. In direction, right? Yeah. You know, I'm 52, and I'm. I still say, you know, I'm going to go back and get my PhD. I, it's on my. It's on my to-do list. I may be 60. I may be 70, but I'll go back and do it. So there you go. <laughs> All um, right, you had one more. One more myth that you had about time. Yeah. Well, I oh, think that I was it. You just talked. Mentioned about it. that you yeah. know it can happen now. It's, yeah. It's. Um. And I and I um capitalize now because now is the present moment. Yeah. And when we stay in the present moment, change, we can observe change happening. You yes. don't even have to do anything. Yeah. We can just be with it and we can witness it. Um, and that is, that is a huge learning for me and a huge learning that I want to share with people. Very cool. What resources have you utilized? You, know, you talked about your own personal journey um, and what, what brought you to here. Well, um, you know, just finally tuning in to, to how I was feeling, you know, (laughs) I don't, I didn't realize how numb I was when I started my journey. Um, I got divorced and I went to physical therapy (laughs) because I couldn't walk. My back was so tweaked and I thought, wow, I didn't realize I didn't even know that 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 could be connected. And um, and so figuring out what's going on with you um, and noticing any physical and emotional pain is key. Um, and the way one way to get there is through mindfulness. I just feel like that is a huge tool that I use um, to help me. And again, students, friends, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's sometimes a hard sell, but I just do it. I just do my own. And that helps. That helps because people are watching and they notice and they go, wow, I want to, I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's even simplistic things. You know, I'm that person that 
um, you know, puts out on Facebook. I saw a ladybug today, and, yeah. you know, and I just watched it and how cute. And I mean, it really is simplistically that kind of stuff of noticing being in the now yeah. and noticing all of those little things that can bring me right back to away from my whatever's worrying me or the busyness and just being here in this moment. So exactly. Yeah. And, and for, for students, what a gift if we can help them. You know, for the student who was really hungry, didn't really know how to say I'm hungry at that moment. And so teaching that skill, Oh, your tummy's grumbling. You feel hungry. Can you say that to me? Yes. yes. <laughs> and and I found out after we did that, I checked in with his classroom teacher, and he went back and told her he was hungry still. Oh. <laughs> I, said, I love it. <laughs> he's practicing. And yeah. He's cool. So, um, yeah, so being present, mindfulness. Um, and then the other thing that I learned about is affirmations, which kind of started me on this journey of, um, coaching and how to merge my career in speech and language with with making change in the world. So um, Louise Hay is, uh, you know, the founder in my mind of affirmations. Um, she's a beautiful soul who left us last year, and she created so many affirmations. Her life was an affirmation. Yes. Yeah. So how I followed heal, her. How to heal your yeah. life. Yeah. I followed her during a really challenging time in my life too. And I, and I found that how healing that was for me just to start thinking and saying out loud how I was feeling. So, and then as part of my coaching's training, it was like, we learned how to create affirmation stories and I have created them for several people and they have been life changing <laughs> And career changing because people have said to me, no one ever asked me what I wanted to do. No one ever asked me how I want my life to look. And that's what I do when I start a coaching um, relationship is we talk about what do you want? And we create an affirmation. Yeah. Did you do the how to heal your life training? Was that? I did not. Oh, okay. Okay. No, but, um, it's all related. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I did that. I pretty much did that on my own um, and still do that on my own yeah. in my life. But um, it's, all, it's all connected. And it's really about, for me, it was like, oh, so I can, I can help people understand that these words that we choose make a huge difference. Um, and so I love writing affirmations, you know, especially the stories that change people's lives. Um, it really is powerful. Yes. And uh, the other thing that goes along with a lot of this is the glue that for me has been therapy. You know, just having a human being that really understands thinking and feeling yes. <laughs> and how they relate to each other and show up in people. Um, there's somebody out there that really understands that. And it's hard, you know, it's hard to see that in yourself. Self-awareness again. Yes, absolutely. Um, 
I, I have just found that to be powerful. And I'll just briefly share how I came across therapy, which was very related to adverse childhood experiences, because I was um, going to the doctor as a young mom, and um, I wasn't that young, but I was a new mom, let's say. And my nurse practitioner actually just could tell that I was just not feeling great. <laughs> and I was able to report a lot of my history because my mom had been ill most of her parenting life. Um, and so I didn't have a lot of information about her history um, that I could rely on. And she said, you know, I think you, you might want to check in with a therapist and just see how you're doing, you know? And so I, because I was open, I said, sure. And there I went down that journey. Um, the, the reason I'm telling this too is because a couple of years ago, I was in Maine at an ACES conference and the keynote speaker was from Vermont and he was my doctor in that practice. Oh my gosh. And it turned out that he had gone and done uh, and tried to pass some, or I think he did pass some legislation on adverse childhood experiences and their impact on health and well-being. And he presented the, you know, all the key characteristics. And I, and I went up to him and I said, guess what? I am your poster child. Right. <laughs> and I was your patient. And, you know, it just all came full circle because I believed that this nurse practitioner was doing an ACEs on me without doing it. Yeah. And was referring me because she, her, her husband was actually a therapist as well. So I think she just was tuned into this. I don't think we talked about it back then. At least no one told me this was what was happening. And as I discovered that, I just went, wow, my doctor really helped save my life. Yeah. And In it is. Ways. You know, just my health, my well-being. And um, so that was another moment in time that came full circle. And yeah. I just said, wow. <laughs> Isn't that crazy when that happens? I love when that happens again. I do, whole... too. I just thought, this is really great. And, and here he was, you know, I'm like, in Maine. And I'm like, you probably don't remember me, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, I like to tell that story. I love I it. It helps people to understand that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. No, I right. just, I just recently discovered ACEs, um, came across ACEs connections. A friend had referred me to it and took the ACEs assessment, you know, did my score and it was like, holy moly. Wow. And then, you know, Oprah did the whole interview with uh, Dr. Bruce Perry. And then now it's just kind of you're hearing it more and more and more and more um, as it's come to light what an impact it's having on children. Well, it's so interesting because I'm in California and I'm surprised at how many people have not still really? heard about it. <laughs> so that's why I'm here, too. Yeah. Because, uh, the people who did the study are right down the road. <laughs> that's so cool oh my so, gosh i love it yeah so i'm really excited to to have that kaiser permanente sign i'm gonna take that yeah sign, <laughs> that sign on my way to work tomorrow yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right but, so yeah. i i loved this answer that you gave me to this one um 
Only because, yeah, well, I'll say in a second why, because I don't want to, I don't want to blow it. So if you could meet, <laughs> sorry, that was Max making a noise. Um, if you could meet anyone in the world, dead or alive, who could help you with your continued journey, who would it be? <laughs> My hero, James Taylor. Yay. <laughs> I saw him in concert and it was awesome. I've seen him many times in concert. <laughs> I have friends that we still go. Um, he just, for whatever reason, music has always been so healing to me. Me too. And his music has always made me cry, made me feel. Um, and then I got to, you know, look back on his life and realize, wow, that's why he's been through a lot. He's, yeah. He's transformed. Um Especially now, I love to listen to him talk and watch his stories, um, and I feel like he 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 will probably write the song that I want to be written without me asking for it, because it's just the way that's how it works. Yeah. Um, I also, you know, wanted to let you know that mu I've found music healing in other ways. Um, I was a breast cancer survivor about six years ago, and a friend of mine played music for me when I was going to chemo. And that was another part of my journey that was so powerful that um, that experience of having music <laughs> to distract me from all the nonsense that was going on in my mind. And um, so I have a Facebook page that people can check out called Healing Happens Now. And uh, if you just go on Facebook, you'll find it. And there's lots of quotes and the musician who um, started that was Patrick Fitzsimmons. He's out of Vermont. And he wrote a song called It's All Right. And that song is about staying in the present moment. Wow. And I'll go check it out for so sure. I want to share that too. I yeah. forgot about that. That's part of this journey. Um, but James Taylor and he have a lot in common. <laughs> they have very similar styles of writing. So... Put a plug in for Patrick. All right, um, <laughs> I love it. But yeah, James Taylor, and I—I I just posted. He and Carly Simon had a song called "You Can Close Your Eyes" that was on my Facebook page recently. And Carly Simon has a great book about her story. That if you want to learn about adverse childhood experiences and the subtleties, that her documentary um, "Boys in the Trees," I think it's called. It's a really good one. Oh, I will definitely check it out for sure. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, last question, and then we'll, you know, talk about anything else that you'd like to talk about is what is your dream job and are you doing it? <laughs> that is a great question. <laughs> um, I'm trying to just be open to my dream job and observe it. Um, I really do hope to have an impact in education at all levels um, through more of a coaching um, dynamic and relationship than as an employee, as a speech pathologist. So that's my dream. And to just to continue to work with individuals and groups that want to create change. Um, and just to keep putting the idea out there that it, it's not as hard as people think it is. Um, it's necessary. And it, and it can be so rewarding when you take the plunge. So, um, you know, I, I have my, on my website, I am open to individuals, groups, parents, trauma-informed work, um, 
I am just the conduit of, of a process that supports people's dreams and desires for change. Okay. Well, beautiful. Yes. And thank you for being there and doing that and being willing to, you know, hold people's hands as they take that step towards that, onto that journey. So, yes, very beautiful. Well, anything else that you want to talk about or share with listeners? Um, I just, I, you know, I want to encourage people to, you know, take a peek at my website from time to time. I'm offering events online that, you know, they can join. It's, it's typically a Zoom call where we're talking about a topic and really doing some group coaching, which people, oh, everybody... <laughs> you know, typically wants a webinar that they can watch on their own. And I, I'm not doing that. I'm saying, let's get together. Let's talk about a topic, whether it be ACEs, whether it be self-care or how you're managing your time. So I'm open to topics. I'm open to, to ideas. There's, there's a process that we follow that's so powerful um, that I think that's exactly what I'm trying to model is that if we can all engage in that process, be a little bit vulnerable, knowing that our intention is to, to do some healing work and out and have outcomes that are, are the things that we really want. Why not? Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, no. The power in numbers is huge. Like three or four people together doing a, a group event can be, you know, especially when we get people from all over the country, I've had people from Australia join in. Um, I've had a mom and son who came on board to talk about mindfulness in their school. Mom was an administrator. The son was a special educator. You know, they never had other time to talk about that. So I was able to facilitate that conversation. Um, that to me is how the change happens. And so, um, I just want to encourage people to, to check that out and, and reach out to me and let me know if there's something you want to see um, me post about. Um, the other thing is I have a Facebook page called Aces in Education, um, and it's a group that you can join if you're interested in working with kids who have adverse childhood experiences, and I'm sharing lots of information, lots of quotes about what's happening out there and how to reframe how we think about kids that are having challenges. And it's been really powerful. People have really um, responded well. And I also will post opportunities on that. So um, I'm just trying to raise awareness and connect people um, and learn more about what people really, really want. Right, right. Well, thank you again. Thank you for what you're doing, um, you know, for teachers, for staff, but um, the kids, <laughs> yeah. absolutely the kids. Um, yeah, and thanks for being here with me today and, and shining your light. It's beautiful. I really appreciate the opportunity to connect with you, Terry, and um, and I really appreciate what you're doing by putting this out there and and connecting people to to stories. Um, and to, to the work that is being done and to your life, which sounds amazing. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and, and really inspires me. 
So well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. I'm going to do a quick little close out, but stay with me. Everybody, thank you for joining us today. And until next time, remember to be gentle with yourselves. Bye-bye.